mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, there's a common belief that the older one gets, the more set in our ways we become. But in reality, the happiest retirees are those who aren't afraid of change. Also this morning, it's a topic many people would prefer not to talk about. June is Acne Awareness Month, and it doesn't just affect teenagers. In case you missed it, the Findlay Middle School's Shockwave Drumline Summer Audition Camp is being held this week. We have details. And we get an update on the latest activities and events with the Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H program. Lauren Berner kitzler will be here to tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, June 12th, 2023. Maybe this is not the thing that you want to hear first thing uh, on a Monday morning if you are just getting up and getting ready for work, but uh, Americans are retiring earlier than they had expected as a group. A new survey of 2,000 retirees finds that on average, people initially expect to retire at the age of 63.2 years, 63.2 years is the uh, expectation of retirement in the survey. But, and again, they spoke to retirees. They said they expected to retire uh, a little over 63 years old. Instead, they did so at age 61 and a half. So about a year and a half, two years earlier than anticipated. And one in three said that they would have retired even earlier if they had had the chance. So... I thought that was kind of interesting because there's been some discussion about raising the retirement age or like Social Security benefits uh, as a as a way of preserving a Social Security trust fund by raising the retirement age. People can start claiming benefits. And at least according to this survey, you probably expect some pushback from that because people are retiring even before the quote-unquote early retirement age for Social Security as it is right now. I just thought that was was kind of interesting. On the other hand, if you are among those who are getting up and heading to work, would you rather work for a male boss or a female boss? This was a British study. The British Business Excellence Awards, British Business Excellence, Excellence Awards. That's a mouthful early on a Monday morning. But according to their study, the majority of people believe that female bosses are better than male ones. Mm-hmm. 67% of the 2,300 employees surveyed said that female leaders were more effective at their jobs than their male counterparts and that they excel Females do, female bosses do, excel at multitasking, organizational skills, and being more empathetic. So, uh, again, I bring this up for the benefit of the male bosses and or team managers, that kind of thing. These are the skills that you apparently have to work on, at least in the minds of your employees. So among the first things you need to know on this Monday morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, and again, this kind of goes to the morning commute. If you have ever been behind the wheel 
and wondered what in the world the driver in the car next to you was thinking. <laughs> you are not alone. Have you ever had that? You're driving along and the person next to you or in front of you or behind you, you see them in your rearview mirror and they do something stupid and you think, what in the world are they thinking? Well, apparently you're not the only one. Robot drivers, self-driving cars have the same question and it is causing traffic issues. <laughs> Basically, this new study out of the University of Copenhagen and their Department of Computer Science, in this study, they find that self-driving cars sometimes just don't understand human behavior. So, the problem with autonomous vehicles and the reason why this is such a difficult technology to develop and deploy is not because the robots have trouble driving. It's because humans have trouble driving and the robots can't figure that out, is basically what they're saying in short. The ability to navigate in traffic is based on much more than traffic rules, according to Professor Barry Brown, uh, who was, I guess, in charge of this study. Social interactions, including body language, play a major role when we signal each other in traffic. And this is where the programming of self-driving cars still falls short. The researchers took a deep dive into 18 hours of YouTube videos of self-driving vehicles making their way around various streets, and one common problem quickly became apparent. The robot driver cannot interpret a human driver, or, by the way, pedestrians also uh, can be confusing to robot drivers because they don't always act in logical, predictable ways. Um, instead, the robot, the robot car will pause, wait for an obstruction to pass, but in one case, the driverless car, which had stopped for pedestrians in a crosswalk who were willing to let the car pass, suddenly started moving again, causing the pedestrians to jump out of the way. Again, how many times does that happen? You go, there are pedestrians, you wave them on, but they wave you on. And as humans, we understand those interactions. The uh, computers can't yet. Keyword, yet. And then they would go at the wrong time and so on. The uh, driverless vehicle stops as so as uh, not to hit the pedestrians and ends up driving into them anyway because it doesn't understand the signals. The uh, lack of the ability to process social interactions like a go-ahead wave, you go first, you know, that's a big problem besides creating confusion and wasted time in traffic. It can also be downright dangerous. So one of the challenges of uh, self-driving cars, I just thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> if you've ever... Uh, found yourself wondering what this other idiot was doing on the road, then right there you have a prime example of why we don't have self-driving cars today. It's all of those other idiots on the road. One more reason why you can blame the other idiots on the road. Isn't that the case? None of us are, none of us are bad drivers. It's the other idiot. is <laughs> the bad driver. It's never us. This was kind of uh, crazy. I saw this story uh, over the weekend on the uh, Newswire. I don't know if you happen to catch this. Uh, apparently, they've been doing a deep dive to the wreck of the Titanic. And I know it's been decades since they first discovered the remains of the Titanic on the ocean floor. 
Um, but recently, they uh, embarked on what is described as the largest underwater scanning project in history, uh, using two submarines to produce 700,000 images of the most famous ship- shipwreck in modern history. And uh, during the during this recent full digital scan of the uh, wreck of the luxury ocean liner that sank more than 100 years ago, the British company that's conducting the search, Magellan, found something very unexpected. Uh Images revealed a megalodon tooth that was made in a necklace uh, with uh, gold jewelry and and this uh, shark species, the megalodon, uh, lived roughly 3.6 to 23 million years ago, uh, anywhere from 3.6 million to 23 million years ago. Um was approximately three times the length of a modern-day Great White, uh, which the Great White can grow to like 16 feet. And imagine a shark that's like three times that. Um, And apparently these artifacts are extremely rare. They found a megalodon tooth, the wreck of the uh, Titanic. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Really interesting. Just one of those things that make you go, hmm. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, and uh, this, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, again, as you're just waking up to start your regular old work week at the Daily Grind, you know, working in the coal mine, as they say, consider this, a 14-year-old boy from the San Francisco Bay Area will be the youngest ever graduate from Santa Clara University next week. And then right after that, he's going to start his new job at SpaceX. Uh, Kieran Quasi, Kieran, K-A-I-R-A-N, Kieran. He can't drive. He can't vote. He can't even get in to see an R-rated movie. But this coming Saturday... He will receive his degree in computer science and engineering, and he has already landed a job at the Elon Musk spacecraft manufacturing company, SpaceX. Think about that when you are just getting ready for your regular old nine-to-five grind. Kid, 14 years old. (sighs) I'm ready to go just go back to bed. <laughs> there you go. Some of the most interesting, and I feel so insignificant now. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Becoming partly sunny today with a high around 70, partly cloudy tonight, a low in the mid 50s. Several fire departments responded to a fire that destroyed a house, shed, and a garage on Northtown Drive on the north end of Finley over the weekend. We spoke with Battalion Chief Matt Cooper at the scene. When you have buildings that are in close proximity like this, you're going to have some, some radiant heat spread like this year. It got super hot super fast. So, you know, obviously the shed was close to the garage, the garage is close to the house and that house. So at the end of the day, we had eight total structures involved in some way, whether it's exposure, radiant heat, or whether they had some flame impingement on it. The 
two people in the house were able to get out with their dog. See video from the scene on the website. Ohio's Attorney General announced a massive settlement over the opioid addiction crisis. Dave Yost was among nearly two dozen AGs who sued Teva Pharmaceuticals, drug company Allergan, and retailers CVS and Walgreens. It all adds up to about $17 billion. $600 million of that goes to Ohio. The money will be distributed between local governments and opioid addiction recovery programs. Kate Burdett, ONN News. Flag City Honor Flight's all-Vietnam-era flight will be held on Tuesday, taking 85 veterans to Washington to see the war memorials built in their honor. Honor Flight President Steve Schultz explains why they're holding four flights this year. The main reason is we have 550 applications of veterans who are waiting to go on a flight to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials. And after Tuesday's flight, the two remaining flights this year will be held in September and November. Get more on Flag City Honor Flight with this story on our website. The Big Ten football schedule will look very different in 2024 as UCLA and USC join the conference. No more divisions. 16 teams all bunched together. Let's take a look at the 2024 road games. Ohio State will play Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State. But UCLA on the road, that means a regular season game in the Rose Bowl. How cool is that? Jump ahead to the 2025 season and look who comes to the shoe in 2025. The USC Trojans. Now, we haven't seen Southern Cal come to Columbus since 2009. I'm Dave Holmes. The Buckeyes open the 2023 season at Indiana on Saturday, September 2nd. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. You know, there's that old saying that you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And a common belief that the older one gets, the more set in our ways we become. But how accurate is that perception. New study from Edward Jones and Age Wave finds that in reality, the happiest retirees are those who aren't afraid of change. And joining us are Lena Haas, Edward Jones, Head of Wealth Management Advice and Solutions, and Ken Dykewald, founder and CEO of Age Wave. In fact, and I'll throw this out for either or both of you, uh, I thought it was interesting, nearly unanimous, 93% of retirees agreed that preparation and adaptability are keys to success in retirement. Why? Yeah, so what we saw is that retirees are also redefining what it means to be successful in retirement. They don't see it as just sort of time for leisure. They see it as time for freedom, for new challenges. Really, next chapter where they can lead productive, engaged, active lives. And so that, coupled with the increased longevity, is what leads retirees to conclude that, well, it's important to have a plan, and also it's important to realize that life happens. They are very likely to experience some derailers, and it's how they react that's going to make all the difference between, you know, do they just sort of survive in retirement, or do they really thrive? And so that's why um, adopting to change, making positive adjustments, taking control and acting, is really, really important. What I thought was a great sign is that two-thirds of retirees are actually feeling confident in their ability to handle the unexpected. Hmm. You actually say that there are four key areas to ensure that you have a successful retirement. What are those? Yeah, so we surveyed together with AgeWave over 12,000 people. And we found that very consistently, there are four ingredients to success in retirement. 
those are health, personal well-being, and it's uh, very encouraging to see that actually majority of people make changes in their level of physical activity or mental stimulation in retirement. The second is family, making purposefully time for those you love. Then having purpose, what gives you meaning? There are many ways to find that meaning in retirement, but I'll tell you what I thought was uh, really great to see is that people who volunteer, not only do they report feeling purposeful, they're also saying that socially it gives them engagement, physically, mentally. There are so ma- many benefits, and it's kind of great that you know, doing good is good for you. And then last but not least is finances, ensuring that you have a plan and connecting it with the success in health, family, and purpose. So very, very important to treat those four as interconnected ingredients and have a plan that is truly holistic. You know, it's it, it sounds easy to say, uh, but in reality, it's not always that easy. And I want to focus on, uh, actually, this touches on a couple of uh, points uh, of those four, talking about finances and family. One of the biggest challenges that retirees say uh, in this survey is that they have to, the, the trying to find that balance of supporting their adult children while maintaining their own financial security. And this has been something that has certainly been in the news uh, over the past couple of years, especially for a variety of reasons. Younger people um, I find it difficult to you know, become fully self-sufficient uh, until older and older uh, ages. So how do retirees feel about supporting other family members financially? Do they see that as a responsibility, a duty, something that it's nice to do when you can? I mean, talk a little bit about the, the mindset of that approach. So I'll put my psychologist hat on for a second. What you <laughs> see here is uh, parents really wanting their kids to be okay. There's a lot of what I'll call generational generosity. Uh, on the one hand, older adults don't want to be a burden on their kids or grandkids, but they want to be there to help out those younger family members. By the way, to the tune of last year, $500 billion yeah. of subsidy to their adult children. That's buying them cars and paying their phone bills and making sure that they had a good house to live in and making sure that their grand their kids were going to be able to make it to college. But a lot of older people are beginning to realize that, whoa, I may live another 20 or 25 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can afford to keep subsidizing the kids. And so speaking to an Edward Jones or some sort of financial advisor about how do you draw boundaries so that your kids are going to be secure and okay, and you're going to be okay too, is sort of a new challenge. And what what is the advice that retirees uh, had the most common or the most uh, significant uh, advice that retirees have for those who are approaching that age, who are getting ready, uh, planning to retire, you know, to to make sure that they are in the best place when they do? Yeah, first of all, this is not a short period of life. This is a new chapter in life. And the new generations of retirees are far more high-spirited, far more willing to try new things, and are going to need to make some resilient choices. Also, people have seen their moms and dads, and, you know, uh, 
life happens. There are curveballs, there's cannonballs, and there's windfalls too. So recognizing that this is a whole brand new chapter in life, we figured it out that the boomer generations can have 3.9 trillion hours of free time over the next 20 years. Hmm. And so figuring out who you're going to be and how you're going to make the most of that time becomes a new challenge. Yeah, so we already talked about the importance of having a holistic financial plan. What is also important is actually test drive it and say, well, does it work for me? Does it make me happy in reality? So if you put together a budget, try living on it for a month. If you are thinking, well, I know how I'm going to start going to the gym and start volunteering and that's what's going to keep me you know, active and engaged, again, try it. Does it actually work for you? And then last but not least, lots of people think of working as like, gosh, this is something that retirees do because they need the money. Not true. We actually found that lots of retirees think about working into retirement, and it could be part-time, it could be pursuing their passion, second career, as something that, yes, it improves their financial situation, but also it gives them the reason to get out of bed. It keeps them physically, mentally active. It's really sort of a very positive part of their life. So being open to working on a part-time basis, pursuing that second career is also really important. Really interesting uh, survey of how retirees are adapting to, as uh, Ken put it, uh, both the curveballs and the cannonballs that may come along uh, during the course of uh, retirement. I like the way you put that there. Where do we get uh, more information uh, about all of this and some of these uh, uh, some of these pieces of advice and, and guidance? Yeah, so we've asked retirees about over 60 different ways that they can improve from their lens of advice. Uh, life in retirement. And so that and other information is edwardjones.com slash new retirement. Lena Haas, Edward Jones, Ken Dykewald, Age Wave with us this morning. Thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. I want to talk about something this morning that not many people really want to discuss, and that is acne. It is a skin condition that is more than just skin deep, can negatively impact an individual's self-esteem, self-image, your social life, all of that. And as it happens, June is Acne Awareness Month, although to be honest, if you struggle with this, you are most certainly very aware of it any time of the year. But nonetheless, with us this morning is dermatologist and former co-host of The Doctors on TV, Dr. Sonia Batra. We want to talk a little bit about some of the common myths surrounding acne. And one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest myth, is that this is something you only get in your teenage years. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you so much for having me to discuss this because it is such a common problem. And it is a big myth that you only get acne when you're a teenager. While that certainly is when it often comes on as your oil glands sort of wake up with the hormones of puberty, we do see acne persisting into adulthood. And especially adult women often from often suffer from hormonal acne for decades. Well, that was going to be the the question. Uh, What are the causes of acne specifically? Why do people get it when they are older? We understand, you know, what's going on with the teenage uh, hormones and so on. But 
then when you get older, what's the most common cause? Well, so the hormones act directly on your oil gland. So acne at root is caused by an overproduction of oil. And what happens is certain people will have a tendency for those outflow tracts or their pores get clogged. So they have dead skin cells or just genetically, they have a little bit more sticky outflow of the pore. And so the sebum builds up. And that's what causes the little bumps from the pustules and the whiteheads and the blackheads under the surface of the skin. And then to add into the mix, there's a bacteria that lives in your skin that then feeds on some of the sebum and causes even more inflammation. So as to why certain people are more prone to it, some of them overproduce oil. They're just oilier skin people, and then it gets clogged. Some people, as we were saying, hormones act on your oil glands. And in women in particular, a type of hormone, which is called androgens, uh, can act a little bit more directly on the oil gland and make you more prone to break up on the lower face, on the jawline, on the neck. And then genetics, if your parents have acne, you're very likely to have some of the same tendencies in those oil glands, and so hmm. you may break out too. And then interestingly, there are a lot of medical reasons for acne. People with certain hormone imbalances or who take certain medications will break out more than others. So we said we were going to dispel some of the myths about acne, plural, myths. What are some of the other most common <laughs> misperceptions about this condition? Well, I think one misperception is that you can sort of scrub away acne. And I think a lot of times people who come into my office are pretty frustrated because they're doing all these really irritating, abrasive things. They're trying to strip their skin and do all these things that they perceive will help. But what happens is acne-prone skin is actually really sensitive. And when you irritate it and you strip it and you do all these things that are a little too aggressive, you actually will promote more oil production because the hmm. skin is going to compensate by producing more oil. And then that's going to get clogged and you get this cycle of outbreaks. So it just gets worse and worse. So I think that's one myth, just the care of acne-prone skin is something I really address a lot in my practice. So what then is the best way to clear this up? I mean, we could probably say that one of the other myths is that it's just something you have to live with until it passes on its own. What kind of treatments are available to help improve and clear acne? Well, I think the first step is trying over-the-counter products. So really still being gentle with your skin, but you can look for things with salicylic acid or benzoyl peroxide. Those help turn over the skin. They help kill bacteria. So that's always a good starting point. I think another good starting point is just making sure you're taking the day off in a gentle way, which means take off your makeup, take off sweat, dirt, oil, pollution, all the things that accumulate in form of pore clogging film uh, should be removed before you go to bed at night. Then meet with a healthcare practitioner. So if you're suffering from acne and, and just the kind of common skincare over-the-counter remedies are not enough, we have a whole arsenal of tools that can help you. There is definitely hope. You don't just have to live with it. A dermatologist or a healthcare provider can work with you on prescription medications if necessary. I know one of the things we're going to talk about today is incredible new technology that we have for acne. So if appropriate, we can treat you with that. Um, we have a whole armamentarium. So we'll try to tailor it to you to fix this and not just have you suffer and live with it. You mentioned, yeah, new technology. It's like anything else. I mean, the treatments uh, are much more advanced than what they were when we were kids and we were dealing with this in our teen years. So uh, what is this uh, latest uh, form of treatment here? So this latest form of treatment is a laser. It's called AviClear. And it's the first FDA-cleared energy-based device to target mild to severe acne. And what it does is it actually targets the oil gland and changes sebum production and decreases it. So it's safe on mild, moderate, severe, any skin type, and it decreases the frequency, the intensity, and the severity of breakouts 
it's three treatments performed in a healthcare provider's office about four to six weeks apart. Now, is this a permanent solution or is this something that has to be repeated every so often? As far as we know now, it's a long-term solution. Hmm. So 92% of people who had a series of treatments still had improvement at their acne 12 months out. And it's still under investigation. I think the company to tease an exciting result will very likely be releasing long-term data and, in fact, FDA approval for more long-term clearance of acne. Um, it's, I don't know yet. It's too new technology to tell you exactly how long it's yeah. going to last, but it is very exciting that some more sustained improvement when you do the series. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, if it's something that you can uh, use to, to treat for even some months at a time, uh, would be certainly uh, very exciting for uh, some folks. Again, uh, dermatologist Dr. Sonia Batra is with us for Acne Awareness Month. Where do we get more information? So for more information, you go to aviclear.com. It'll give you more information about the device as well as a locator tool so you can put your zip code in and see if there's a provider in your area who offers the laser. They're also on social media. So on Instagram or TikTok, you can look up at aviclear and find out more. Dr. Sonia, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. I really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it may be summer vacation season, but already... Many students are preparing for next year, believe it or not. The Findlay Middle School Shockwave Drumline Summer Audition Camp begins today. Continues all through this week. And in case you missed it last week on the program, we spoke with Shockwave Director Brian Sheehy, along with Drumline members Kylie Rose, Josh Lickley, and Haley Naylor. We're starting our 26th season this year. That is now, uh, just to clarify, this is uh, for students from both middle schools. Yes, and we have uh, occasionally a St. Mike's kid or two as well. Okay, sixth grade right on through Mm -hmm. eighth grade. How long have uh, have you all been involved? So Kylie and I have been in it for about six years now. Uh, Haley, (laughs) one year. For so, so you're not a rookie this year, but you were last year. Yeah. Okay. So six years, uh, h- how does that work? I mean, you haven't been in middle school for six years, yeah. right? So we were in, there's kind of two drum lines. There's um, a regional group, which is um, an easier going, it's less time. Mm-hmm. But you still have as much fun, but it's just less time. Okay. And then there's kind of, the we call it the big group. It's more kids, more time. We go to more competitions. Um, so that's kind of what that is and you mentioned competitions i know shockwave has uh been really super successful when it comes to competitions right yes yeah yeah uh talk about uh, some of the accomplishments uh that that you guys have had in some of the competitions that you've gone to and where have you gone first of all um we've been to like all around the state we've been to michigan <laughs> a few times mm-hmm. we go to regional mm-hmm it's like a regional show. We go to that up in Michigan. Okay. Then we go to state championships down in Wapakoneta. And then we go to world championships in Dayton, and that's at the arena. And how many other middle school drum lines uh, are in these competitions? Not a lot. Not I want to say there's... I, I don't think there's any just strictly middle school drum lines. We're probably the only one for that. We usually, like class. yeah, we usually go up against like high school students. We and, saw one uh, back in Houston about uh, seven or eight years ago that came up to Dayton. That's about mm-hmm. it. And, and uh, so, what kind of looks do you get? So you walk in to these competitions, right? And and 
you know, there are opportunities to interact with the members of other drum lines and, and so on. So what's the, the first reaction that you get? What's the... I'd say most people are, like, surprised to see, like, kids so young <laughs> competing and, like, with, like, other high schoolers. Yeah. Especially because this past year we had a third grader in it who's short. <laughs> <laughs> so when they look, they see a bunch of kids who are yeah. a lot shorter. Yeah. It's and, and then is that part of the fun of it is you you get on the stage then and not only hold your own but actually uh, do very well uh, you know, in competing with these uh, yeah. older groups. Yeah. This yeah. past year, we went to state championships in Wapakoneta, and we actually won that this year. So we won state championships. Put those guys in their place! Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the... the uh, I want to say the looks we kind of get. Yeah. It's, it's a lot... <laughs> They don't know what to do because mm. when they get beat by middle schoolers and their high school college students, Take it's that. yeah. <laughs> now we mentioned uh, Brian. The uh, upcoming summer audition camp is June twelfth through the sixteenth, nine a.m. to one p.m. It's every day at Donnell Middle School. We start in the band room and uh, we branch out from there, so the students get an opportunity to try a little bit of everything, uh, all the equipment. They put down what their top three instruments are, mm-hmm. and then we assign them an instrument for the season. So uh, anyone can uh, try out mm-hmm. for this? Yep. Uh, all they have to do is uh, just register, and if they're not registered yet, they can get a hold of me, 419-350-4718. That goes right to me. They can also text at that number, too. Uh, but anyway, all they do is get registered and then just Come to the camp. Just be there at the, mm-hmm. at the camp, yep. and then the uh, lineup will be it'll be on your uh, on your way to getting ready for uh, next year. Because this is something that uh, I mean, it, it doesn't happen obviously overnight to have this kind of success. So it, it is, but uh, I'll tell you what it's it's been a great journey, and uh, it's uh, what was it? We get started with the first part here uh, next week, and then uh, they'll do a few parades over the summer to kind of mm-hmm. get them rolling towards it. So you'll see us at the Finley's 4th of July, you'll see us at Van Lu and Arlington and all that stuff, too. So, now, Haley, as we mentioned, uh, you said you are coming up on your second year. So, you've been in uh, in this for a year. So, you went through the audition and the you know for the first time last year, right? Or Last year, I was kind of thrown in in <laughs> August. <laughs> okay. So, I didn't end up going through the auditions. Okay. I just Started, I guess. All right, so this will be your first uh, time through the camp. Well, let me throw this out to uh, to all of you. Uh, what do you do uh, during the during the summer, during the camp, and then during the summer to get ready for the uh, season itself? What's involved uh, in that? How much uh, work is there during the summer? Um, during the summer, there is some work. Like we'll sometimes have like a Monday practice, mm-hmm. so like we get like some music down, or we work on like warm ups. So. You're not giving up your entire summer. No. Yeah, no. no. Okay. So the summer, sure we- the summer is very relaxed. Yeah. It's a lot just working on warm-ups because every season we kind of start from the ground up because we have new mm-hmm. we have new people coming in. We have new uh, yeah. people working with us. So we kind of start from the ground up. We just work on warm-ups, and then the season gets going, and we get off on a good start. Our conversation uh, last week with uh, Finley Middle School Shockwave Drumline Director Brian Sheehy 
And Drumline members Kylie Rose, Josh Lickley, and Haley Naylor, their uh, summer audition camp beginning today, continuing through the week. If you want to learn more, you can uh, check out our uh, website at goodmornings.net. We have the link up for more details, and you can hear the complete conversation uh, with our guests from the Shockwave Drumline, the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. Stream it from the website. Listen on demand from the WFIN app, which is free to download from the App Store or Google Play. You can subscribe for free wherever you get your pro- uh, podcast. Uh, that uh, interview originally aired last Monday, a week from a uh, week ago uh, today. And boy, you know what I love about the uh, Shockwave Drumline. You talk about building confidence in young people that they can do anything. I mean, when they can, you know, show up at these competitions, go toe to toe with much older uh, competitors, high school, even college levels, whatever. That you talk about building confidence in young people. That is just a tremendous thing. Check that out online. Again, goodmornings.net. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Indianapolis, Indiana, a man has been charged uh, after police responded to a report of shots fired outside of his home. Uh, When cops arrived on the scene, they found Richard Arias, the property owner, uh, with his gun and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, um, uh, the the individual, it's Richard Arias, who's a neighbor who called police. I got it, okay. I read this correctly. Richard Arias, Mr. Arias, called police, said his neighbor, 22-year-old Frankie Rosa, was shooting outside his home. When the uh, cops arrived, they found uh, Mr. Rosa squatting down in his front yard with his weapon. And after ordering him to drop his weapon, they took him into custody. It was then that Mr. Rosa explained to officers that he was shooting his gun at a mouse he had caught in a trap. Wow, now that that seems a bit overkill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he said that he had told police that he had uh, caught a mouse in a trap. He had brought the trap outside, and that's when he fired fired the shot at the mouse. <laughs> well, you know, at least he didn't want to fire the gun inside his home, so outside. <laughs> Uh, and to shoot the mouse that he had already caught in the uh, in the trap. <clears throat> Seems like overdoing it a bit. Uh, next up in uh, in Oregon, a uh, man who rigged the home that he lost in a lawsuit with an Indiana Jones inspired booby trap and other hazards was found guilty by a jury last week. Uh, Gregory Lee Rodvelt, age 71, rigged the home as a form of retaliation upon learning that the state had appointed an attorney to sell off his property, I believe for uh, tax uh, issues. He hadn't paid his taxes, and so they seized his property, auctioned it off because that's what they do. Well, he was uh, unhappy, uh, and so he (laughs) uh, rigged a, let's see here. 
uh, rigged a fishing line and trip wire strategically placed across the property gate uh, that uh, triggered a round hot tub that was set on its side to roll down the hill and bowl over whoever came through the gate. <laughs> Turned out that it was an FBI agent that was on the receiving end of the uh, booby trap. And he was charged in the case. Uh, happened about 200 miles south of Portland, near the California border. Um, Mr. Rodvelt, who is actually serving time for a separate incident in an Arizona state prison, uh, was uh, found guilty last week of <laughs> setting the Indiana Jones-style uh, booby trap. That's kind of crazy. <clears throat> because he... Lost his property. Um, pay your taxes. You don't have to worry about it. I guess. Uh, this is a little weird in uh, Southern California, and I know what you're thinking. There's all kinds of weird things happen in Southern California, but this is uh, unusual even for uh, that part of the country. Or is it? I don't know. A, a teacher at a Southern California high school has now been placed on administrative leave following a controversial anatomy lesson. A secretly recorded video reportedly shows the teacher at El Dorado High School discussing uh, adult um, pleasure involving different body parts, toys, and where to buy them. What a lesson. Uh, Several parents believe the lesson was too explicit for the classroom. The video was posted last week on social media, now has over one million views. The uh, uh, Yorba Linda Unified School District identified the teacher as one Judy Rayberg, who has been placed on leave. Um, Those in support of the teacher believe the video was taken out of context and that Ms. Rayberg was simply answering students' questions. Some questions maybe don't need to be answered. (laughs) At least not quite so explicitly like they are in the classroom. From the international file, the broken news, uh, Victoria Harbor in Hong Kong is abuzz with the arrival of a whimsical art installation, uh, giant inflatable rubber ducks. These huge yellow inflatable rubber ducks stand 18 meters high, which for those of us in this part of the world... That equates to about 59 feet. 59 feet tall rubber ducks. Part of Dutch artist Florentine Hoffman's Double Ducks Project. Mr. Hoffman hopes to bring happiness to the city through his delightful display. After the success of his iconic rubber duck sculpture in 2013, Mr. Hoffman says these ducks are here to double the fun and excitement in Hong Kong. The ducks will gracefully sail on the Victoria Harbor for two weeks, spreading joy and reminding us that art has the power to lift spirits. It's time to quack up and enjoy the spectacle. (laughs) Giant inflatable rubber ducks in the harbor. That's what we need here at Lake Cascades. We need... I've I've felt that we've, we've always been missing something here at Lake Cascades. Uh, at the beautiful broadcast complex here. We need giant 60-foot rubber ducks. That's what we need. Maybe we can petition to have the uh, art installation placed here. 
part of the uh, traveling exhibit, maybe. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news, and this is kind of a cool story, actually. A family cleaning out their home in Los Angeles stumbled upon something that they didn't expect to find in their house. Several bags containing one million pennies. John Reyes said he was cleaning out his father-in-law's home when he made the discovery the bags of pennies were in unopened sealed bank bags. I've actually been contacted by a few coin collectors or people who specialize in this type of thing. And just based off of some of the questions they asked me, for example, having the lead, uh, the sealed bag or having bags from banks we don't necessarily recognize, uh, knowing that they are at least 40 years old or more, had quite a few collectors tell me that this is something that shouldn't be sold until we actually have a chance to appraise the pennies. They may may actually be worth more than the value of the pennies themselves. According to the New York Post, the family determined that the coins are copper and not zinc, which the United States switched to in the 1980s. Uh, Mr. Reyes has listed the coins on OfferUp, a resale website asking $25,000. How cool is that, though, to come across one million pennies? Interesting stuff. There you go, some of the uh, broken news, the odd and unusual side of the uh, headlines in today's broken news report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Findlay Rotarian is all about? I'm Alyssa Preston, director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I am proud to be a Findlay Rotarian because locally we make an impact by recognizing amazing educators in the Findlay and Hancock County area through the Golden Apple Award. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at FindlayRotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know how the stories uh, in the news have been endless about uh, people looking for the best deals on things they buy and are being tight-fisted with their dollars because we have to. Inflation has been so crazy that um, you just can't go out and buy things on a whim these days. You really need to hunt around for the best deals. Or do you? According to a new survey of 2,000 adults, this was actually done in the United Kingdom, but one in five shoppers in this survey, one-fifth, 20%, admit (laughs) that they are just too lazy to hunt around for the best deals. And obviously, these days, that could cost them a small fortune. Uh, 19% will book the first vacation that pops up after a search if it looks halfway decent rather than shopping around for a cheaper price. That was one example they used. 37% will complain about the price of services like utilities, but then do nothing about it, like find ways to be more energy efficient. For example, you can complain about your electric bill, but then uh, 37% will do nothing to reduce their energy use. The top excuses for not making a change... Uh, being it's boring, it's confusing, or I don't believe the effort is worth the reward. For those thrifty adults who do spend time shopping around, they believe that they save $261 a year on average. 
Um, and here's one interesting statistic from the survey. When it comes to cell phone contracts, uh, 22% believe that they will not get a better deal by shopping around. That it's all the same price. It doesn't matter whether you shop around. You're not going to get a better deal. So it's just a waste of time anyway. You fall into that category? You know, talking about uh, you got to shop around to save money when you're just maybe too lazy to do it. Lauren Berner Kitzler is with us in the studio this morning talking about what's going on. The Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H program. Things are really getting busy. And uh, you were saying before we... uh, actually went on the air how many days until the uh, fair now around 80 days a day? until the fair so the days. countdown is on i was gonna say it seems like uh, a long way off when you think you know labor day weekend but my goodness that is right around the corner it is so. it is coming fast we 4-h is in full swing right now the month of <laughs> june is my favorite but yet exhausting at the same time but there's a lot going on for our 4-h members so First big thing we have coming up in June is 4-H camp. I know everybody is very eager and excited to go back to camp. Um, COVID-free, so this is we're kind of out of that. So now it's a full camp. Okay. Um, very exciting with so that. So this is the first time uh, since COVID that we got yes, the full camp experience? Yes, that we don't have any experience? restrictions. Oh, nope. that's so awesome. Last year we had just a little bit here and there, but this okay. is... Um, yeah. Completely open back to full camp. So, so how how many kids are going to camp? I mean, so how we have 175 campers signed wow. up. So wow. Yes, we have 40 fully trained camp counselors that are going to be coming with us. But yes, mm-hmm. we're going to be taking 175 campers. So very exciting. You know, uh, and and for the benefit of those, we, I know we've talked about it before. The benefit of those who don't know, uh, 4-H camp is kind of a, a full circle type of experience where the uh, older kids uh, become then counselors and help with the planning. And yep, know, so it's kind of a step by step process. So you can start off as a camper, right? And then you kind of work your way up to being a counselor. And mm-hmm. then if you really enjoy it, we even have some ad- some of our adult staff have. We're actually mm. campers and then counselors at one time. So it's yeah. just kind of moving up the ladder all around. Yeah, so that's uh, very unique in terms of the 4-H camp experience. Yeah, that yep. you can, you know, uh, stay with it and become involved in so many different levels. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, camp is one of, my, one of my favorites. We have a lot of activities planned this year um, when it comes to camp. So, yes, a lot to look forward to. That's June 25th through the 29th. Okay. And uh, so... With that, uh, that means uh, you're going to take a few days out of the project uh, process with only 80 days or so until uh, the fair. You're really getting down to the wire and doing these projects. We will return back from camp. We'll have one week to kind of catch our breath, Uh uh, switch gears, and then July 6th will be our first project judging day for our non-livestock projects. Okay. So what does that look like for those those project judgings? How is that uh, done? And again... Uh, important to note that this actually happens before the fair. So It does, yep. So project judging for our non-livestock, um, that can range in cake decorating, woodworking, sewing, um, all of those non-livestock. And what mm-hmm. will happen is it's held at the, the fairgrounds. Right. And the member has been working all year, whether it's baking a cake, whether it's been sewing a project, working on their project book. Mm-hmm. They'll bring it to us here on Project Judging Day, which is July 6th. They'll sit down with a judge, get some questions, kind of share that experience 
that they've been experiencing or building, um, mm-hmm. working on throughout the year. Yeah. Um, the judge will give them a nice score sheet, have a good conversation back and forth. And then any item that they bring, um, a poster of some type, will then be displayed in the club's fair booth at the fair. Yeah. Um, and the reason why this is done ahead of the fair itself is because of the state fair, right? Yes. So yeah. if our members um, advance in the level, there's kind of a score category, fall into that for state fair. We want to make sure they have all of their state fair requirements. They have everything that they need before the state fair happens at the end of July, okay. first of August. So uh, for those projects, I mean, it's less than a month yes. now. Yes, yes. Uh, so. so it's getting to be crunch time. And then what about for the livestock projects themselves? Yep, so our livestock, uh, they still can attend the fair. They don't have to have their judging done prior. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of on the livestock side, anyone is open to take their livestock to the Ohio State Fair. Okay. But they will come back. So August 7th, um, which is a Monday, will be held at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. And those livestock members will go through a, with a judge sitting down, having conversations, sharing stories and information about their animals. And then it's fair time. Yeah. So. Um, now, are there, uh, are there some uh, 4-H kids that do both? There are, yep. So a so, good chunk of them do our non-livestock as well as livestock. So two, yeah. it kind of kind of breaks it up in a month, kind of you know lets them focus on that non-livestock first, but then kind of switch gears for to that livestock mode. Yeah. Uh, so a lot really going on uh, for these youth over the uh, course of the summer. And so yes. they get out of school, and it's not <laughs> it's necessarily a break. Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> no, uh, no. A lot of things uh, going on, and that's one of the reasons why. And we always talk about it when we get to fair time. I definitely want to take the time to go through and see all of the livestock uh, exhibits, all of the non-livestock 4-H exhibits and so on, because these kids put a lot of work into this. Absolutely. You know, this is a, some for some, it's kind of a year round, a, re- a year yeah. round thing for them. And yeah. coming to the fair and taking that time, walking through those buildings really means a lot to our 4-H members and, and seeing all their hard work that they put in for it. Absolutely. So, so uh, anything else going on? That's enough, I would think. I mean, yes, that's pretty much it. Yes, once through camp and project judging, it's it's all fair. So I encourage everyone to come out, check out those <laughs> projects, um, eat some fair food, so and just enjoy. So you're going to get into fair mode here before too long. Yes. Even though, <laughs> you know, it, it'll be a while for most of us until we have to think about that. You guys are thinking about it already. If folks want to learn more about what's going on uh, with the uh, 4-H project or the uh, 4-H program, you've got uh, all kinds of stuff on the uh, Facebook page, right? Yep, we have our Facebook page as well as our website, um, hancock.osu.edu. We will uh, link it up on our webpage again at goodmornings.net as well. Uh, Lauren Berner kitzler with us from the Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H program with an update on what kids are doing in the uh, month of June and beyond gearing up for the fair. Lauren, thanks very much for dropping yes, by. Yes, thank you. Enjoy your day, listeners. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Quick reminder, you can get more details on all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net, of course. Coming up tomorrow on the program, organized religion at a crossroads in America, as a growing number of people say they feel disconnected from the dogmatic practices of faith. Why one Jewish rabbi says this challenge should actually be seen as an opportunity. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.